0: All right, best hour of their day is back with another fantastic interview. My friend, your friend, Keith Panda Wittenstein, we're going to talk all about where that nickname Panda came from. Keith is an OG, an absolute legend when it comes to CrossFit. He's been involved in the coaching of CrossFit since way back when, I mean, some say He was Coach Glassman's second in command. Just kidding. He wasn't that OG, but he's been around a very long time, opening one of the very first boxes, if not the first box, in New York City, the black box, before moving out to the suburbs, if you will, and opening CrossFit Virtuosity. Like me, he has been a part of multiple affiliates and sold multiple affiliates. And for those of you that don't know Keith, we're going to talk all about his past lives. We have the same alma mater, University at Albany, but Keith became an attorney. He's been in rock bands. He's been involved in yoga. He's been involved in just about every specialty seminar that CrossFit offers and so much more. It's no wonder that Keith is highly regarded as one of the best coaches in the world when it comes to CrossFit. And I'm proud to call him one of my closest friends. I love this dude, and it's always a pleasure chatting with him. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you're enjoying Best Hour of the Day, I'm begging you. I'm literally on my knees as I'm recording this. We need three more reviews on iTunes to hit 100. And look, you have an opportunity to make a little man, that's me, happy. All you got to do is open up your app. It's probably open because you're listening to this episode and click on review, click on that five star button, write something nice about us and make this little man happy. That's all we're asking. If we hit over 100 by the end of this weekend, I'm going to be so stoked and I owe it to all of you, our fans. So please do that. Also, if you're still thinking about Watt on the Waves, Check them out. You can still book your room and use the code BESTHOUR. That's all caps, one word, Best Hour, And get some really cool stuff from Fern and myself when we're on the boat. We've already had quite a few people use the code, and we're really excited to spend time with them. The list of names coming on that boat is incredible. A couple of weeks ago, we had an episode with Austin Maliola. We talked all about it. So if you want to work out with some amazing athletes... The Rich Fronings, the Patrick Vellners, the Austins, Connors, Spencers, Hobarts, look no further than Wad on the Waves. If you want to hang out with just some cool people enjoying an adult beverage while hitting a 10K row, this is the boat for you. It's got some great stops. We're going to help coaches develop while we're on the boat. There's going to be nutrition lectures from us and my wife Roz and On Your Eating and some other great stuff. I highly, highly recommend it. You can check out all of our archives in iTunes. Our new website, besthouroftheirday.com, is just about done, and we're so excited to show you guys that. We're going to have some great content on there regularly, not just the podcast, but articles about coaching. We've got some videos coming out, including full one-hour classes of us coaching CrossFit and so much more. We appreciate your patience as we've been growing. This is a passion project for both Fern and myself, and it's escalated quickly, as Ron Burgundy would say. So, we appreciate your patience, we appreciate all the feedback and the kind words, and we appreciate the criticism. So, anything you got for us, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, at besthouroftheirday, and you can always shoot us an email, best hour of their day at gmail.com. Alright, I've rambled enough. It's Friday, and you got shit to do, but listen to my man, my friend, Keith, Coach Panda, Wittenstein, right here on Best Hour of Their Day. Coach Panda is here with us. Keith Wittenstein, welcome. Thanks. So, Glad Keith here. Keith goes back and forth. You either have very long hair or no hair. Right, yeah. And, and It's all or, all or nothing. All or nothing. Right now, you're going with nothing. Right, yeah. Which does your wife prefer? Uh, I think
1: she mostly likes the short haired version better.
0: Really? Interesting. Mostly,
1: mostly. Yeah. I mean, she definitely likes me clean shaven as opposed to scruffy.
0: You I rarely think. get scruffy though. Yeah. A little bit. Not too
1: bad. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, it's like seasonal. Like usually in the cold weather, I put on like 20 pounds and a lot of hair. <laughs> and then in the, in the summer I shave everything and lose like 20 pounds.
0: You, I, I would agree with that, and you know the I think what gets overlooked about you is your age yeah you are you fifty now?
1: no forty eight, almost forty nine.
0: I mean, you're getting up there, yeah, yeah. I'm, I was just talking with Becky Harsh. she's forty five. The three of us are all on staff and and really, I think the age of seminar staff has gone up a little bit. It's a more mature staff.
1: I think so. I think so. There's a lot of veterans and the, the new people, there's some new fresh young blood on staff right now, but I think some of the people they're bringing on staff too are still like in their, you know, mid to late thirties. I think too, there's a couple of more seasoned people they're bringing on staff. Well, so, and the,
0: well, if you think about it though, you have to be a really good coach to be on staff. That's right. not going to happen at, at 21 or 22 years old.
1: There's a few exceptions to that there's a couple of young bucks on staff who are surprisingly uh surprisingly good at a young age
0: but Like who for example do you have specifics?
1: Uh well I mean Joey Dill in his prime was a classic example.
0: Joe, uh, yeah Joey Dill in his prime I mean, he was yeah young He's
1: yeah he's almost no longer on staff but he's barely on staff right
0: now. Yeah he just doesn't work as much he's busy but he's also probably he's almost 30. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he started now, when he was like, now. yeah. So, so with that being said, let's, let's talk about your career. First of all, people refer to you as Panda. A lot of people don't know the origins of that. What is the origin of coach Panda? Uh,
1: yeah. So uh, surprisingly the origin of coach Panda is not, not something I'm proud to share on the uh, <laughs> uh, podcast about, <laughs> about being a great coach because it mostly comes uh, from my Uh, occasional fits of rage at the gym when I would just get like frustrated and like throw like a plate or a barbell or something across the room. (laughs) And they would refer to it as Panda Rage. And then they'd post these videos of various pandas smashing stuff on my Facebook and after, after an incident.
0: (laughs) So your nickname has more to do with your, how should we say, um, raging as a coach versus virtuosity as a coach right yeah yeah well let's talk about that for a second you've been involved in the crossfit space since man you you took the old school level one that was three days back in santa yes. cruz california a lot of people yeah. don't know about you you are also you i don't know what the term is now because you were an attorney i suppose you're still an attorney right i'm you,
1: no longer no longer barred
0: but i'm still an attorney i guess you weren't disbarred based on these no. panda rages, were you? No, no, definitely okay. not. <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't kept your, your accreditation up to date,
1: I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I just haven't uh, yeah, paid my, my dues or done my CEUs or any of that stuff, so I just uh, yeah, let the, that lapse.
0: The Own Your Eating Certificate course is good for CrossFit CEUs, but not as good for attorney CEUs.
1: That's too bad. That's too bad. I wish there was crossover.
0: <laughs> so, but but I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, and I'm you know we're joking about you raging, but can you remember a period of time where you were burned out as a coach?
1: Oh sure, yeah. I mean, you know, you you open a gym and you get there first thing in the morning. You teach classes all day, you know, and you know you spend like it, it just seems like. Like how many times do I have to tell people to arch their backs and stay on their heels and and squat lower and do all that stuff, and suddenly you're just like overwhelmed with like day in and day out of uh, of the same old, same old, and it gets a little gets a little frustrating.
0: Fern and I recently discussed it. Well, what were some of the things you were able to do to snap out of that? Uh, besides throwing fits, besides yeah, <laughs> besides throwing equipment at your members. Besides drinking heavily, besides that. <laughs> hey, no, maybe um, that was the key. Maybe that was something we missed.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's actually a part of it. I mean, we, we had a very intense gym environment, and it comes out of a, a place where I really care and I really want the best for my members. And, and sometimes, you know, my ability to show that was lacking. My, my emotional ability didn't necessarily lack uh, or lag, lagged behind my, my coaching ability. It's was like, I, I I know what I want, and and I don't know how to express that, and and I can't get you there, and it frustrates me, and it frustrates my athletes, uh, and then it culminates in me, you know, throwing a, a hissy fit, and then and then it's like we hug it out, and we all go out and drink and have a good time, and like you know you know put that behind us, and we we start over again, and try to figure out how we can get everyone better and happier. Yeah.
0: I've been there as a box owner. I mean, I remember one time yelling at my members to leave and go join a different gym. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, one thing you said that I don't think really Fern and I touched upon is it does come from that caring. In other words, you wouldn't burn out if you didn't care. You care so much that it, it's more you get frustrated. Right.
1: Yeah. My frustration with, you know, the, the yeah, just comes out of the, The the fact that I I really care, I really want the best for you and I want to be the best and there's obviously a a, a gap between where I am and what I'm able to do and where you are and where I'm able to get you to Uh, and if I didn't want to bridge that gap so badly and so uh, instantly, like right now, like I want to take you to the next level, like – and my shortcomings, coupled with your shortcomings, are just creating a huge tension, and I think it comes from that. I think that's where the frustration and, and, and everything comes from. If I if I didn't give a crap, like it would be easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'd be easy to come in, go through the yeah. motions. Yeah, and it's better. Tell you how me. awesome you are.
1: Everybody's great. Woohoo!
0: Can yeah, be guys, that cheerleader.
1: Can yeah, can so, be a cheerleader.
0: I don't think we've had, you know, that's not true. We have had people on that have been to that original level one. We talked to Kelly Storette recently, Coach Bergner. You know, they were all part of that original one, but I've not really asked them about it. Tell the listeners what the old school level one was like back in 2004,
1: 2005. Actually, I I took one of the last three-day ones and it was 2006. But, I mean, it was was Coach Glassman. You know, you, you, you show up at the... Santa Cruz box on day one. is a Friday now instead of a Saturday. Um, and there's a, a who's who of like sort of internet celebrities from back in the day, like back before. Now it's weird because, I mean, we're, the social media is much more hyped and you're so much more connected and, and close to all these like CrossFitters uh, via social media. And when you see somebody, you know, like a James Hobart at a level one now, it's uh, you feel like you know them a little bit better. But back then, it was only like little snippets of like workouts that you'd see Greg Amundson do, um, uh, little pictures of some of these people on the uh, uh, on the CrossFit Journal, uh, and just like you'd see handfuls of. Uh, like just very limited access to these people. And I would like chat with some of them on the message boards. And so when I got to Santa Cruz, I remember uh, there was a old school trainer across at Santa Cruz named Lonnie, Lonnie Lau. And she was a demo girl back in the original days of like Annie and Nicole. Uh, and, and Lonnie was one of the demo girls back then. And we had like connected on the message boards. Uh, and I think she'd been out to New York once to, to train with us in central park. And so when I went out to uh, California, she was like, oh, she met me set- Friday morning. She took me to the Silver Spur Diner, which is where That uh, place everybody- is the best. Yeah. She took me there before the before the uh, the seminar to, like, grab some breakfast and coffee. And she's like, oh, that's uh, Mike uh, Rutherford. He's the dumbbell guy. Over there, Coach Bergner sitting down. Over there that table was, like, Mark Rippets. All, like, all the trainers had gotten in there early to, like – get breakfast. And so she was just popping around, you know, introducing me from table to table. And it was, it was wild, you know, and then grabbed some coffee and breakfast and went over to the, the, the Santa Cruz, the original box. And it was like, I'd seen all these videos and pictures of that place. And it was the first time I'd ever been in a room with that many other CrossFitters back in the day. It was me and like, uh, t- maybe 10 people that we would all work out in Central Park together. And it wasn't, it wasn't 10 people all at the same time. It was like, one weekend you'd get like five people and another weekend you'd get five different people but there was about ten of us doing CrossFit in New York City at that time so, so it was real it was really wild
0: How did you even get involved in it back in two thousand six and and what was the catalyst to get you to actually you know purchase a plane ticket spend a thousand dollars and go go take it because it wasn't like it is today where there's crossfits on every corner I mean you are, went on to open. CrossFit Virtuosity, which was one of the first boxes in the in the five boroughs. Well, CrossFit
1: NYC was the first one we opened. Oh, that's right. That, yeah, you opened M- then, NYC. Uh, yeah. So cross. So here's the deal. Uh, I was a jujitsu guy from since 1997. Right. I, I after law school, I basically went right into jujitsu, <laughs> and then uh, got to keep continued. learning. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like I was here's the here's the progression in law school getting way out of shape because all you do is study and drink uh so was working out a little bit at the gym my buddies were like you know you know taking me to the 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 school gym and teaching me about like you know back and buys, chest and tries, and eating protein i'm like all right so this is how you work out
0: so that was really your first exposure to working out you didn't do any of that as a as a kid
1: yeah not really not really i barely did any gym time as a as a kid high school college even i don't know I don't think I was a musician in college so I never made it into a gym.
0: Yeah, people don't know that about you that you were yeah. you know pretty good local musician in the uh upstate New York area but that's interesting to know that you know someone doesn't start training doesn't start exercising seriously I would say till you know 22 23 in law school to I was become, I was older than that.
1: I was I was like yeah 25 26 by towards the end of law school I graduated when I was 27, 26 or 27.
0: But to then become so, one of the best coaches in the world, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So from there,
1: um, I, was, I was working out in the gym and I was getting bored and I was thinking maybe I should do some like martial arts or something. That would be kind of cool. And then my buddy took me into a store, video, back when they had video stores, right? <laughs> like Blockbuster and stuff. and He pulled out a video of like UFC. He's like, you got to check this guy out. And so I, I watched, like, the first or second UFC with Royce Gracie. Crazy, yeah. And then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I rented all, like, it was the first, like, three or four UFCs with Royce Gracie. And I watched them all. I was like, yo, this guy's crazy. And then I found a video of Henzo Gracie, his cousin. I was like, this guy's insane. And then uh, I was like, I'm going to do this Brazilian jiu-jitsu shit. And then, like, there was one place in Boston when I was in Boston, like, but it was, like, far away. And I was in, towards the end of law school. And I was all I was thinking about was, like, studying and finals, and I wasn't thinking about, like, starting that right then. But I looked on, like, a black belt magazine. There was an ad for Henzo Gracie Academy in New York, and I was like, when I go back to the city, I'm going to go right there, and that's exactly what I did. So as soon as I moved back to New York, took the bar exam, and then after the bar exam, I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing this jujitsu thing, and I went right down, made a beeline to Henzo's Academy. I started training there and then was into that and just was getting my butt wiped, like, on the mats like constantly and i was like realizing like i probably need to get in better shape and that's when this guy bj penn came out and got his black belt in like four years went and won ufc won the worlds at like black belt like and then won the ufc and he held up like a crossfit shirt at one point after winning one of his fights and i was like what is that and so i went down the rabbit hole this is like 2003 four somewhere around there and we just like went down deep into the rabbit hole of like CrossFit. And I was reading the re- website, had no idea what any of these exercises was. <laughs> didn't know what a kettlebell was. Didn't know what a clean, a jerk, a snatch was, any of this stuff. Like just, but I was reading Coach Glassman's words. I was like downloading these journal articles and PDFs. And I was like, this guy's talking about fitness like nothing I've ever read in Muscle and Fitness Magazine, right? And I was like, this guy's really smart. I was like, whatever he's saying, I was like, I want to do that. And then, of course, I would go and try a workout and be like, this is fucking hard. <laughs> and then you, I started looking. Do you, do you, you remember
0: at your first workout?
1: No, but I remember, like, I remember being in crunch one day trying to do Angie, 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 squats. And, like, they only had, like, you know, the one knurled bar between the cable crossover machines. Yeah. And I'm on that thing trying to kip, like, through 100 pull-ups. And it's taken me forever. And i like, tearing my hands and, like, throwing a towel over the bar. And like, and periodically a trainer would come by and be like, you know, that's not how you do a pull-up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then like, you know, then I would do like the the, the push-ups and sit-ups and I'm doing squats and then periodically a trainer would come over to me and say, you know, you shouldn't squat that low. It's going to hurt your knees. So, uh, I just, I, I, is there some memories getting like a lot of grief from a lot of trainers at like various sports clubs in New York during various (laughs) workouts that's, that's more of what I remember than, like, which was my f- first one,
0: you know. So so you go to Santa Cruz, you take the three-day course, you're surrounded well, so by these web before, liberties.
1: Well, before <laughs> that, like, we're I'm, like, doing CrossFit more or less, like, partially on my own, finding other people in New York who want to do it. I, I end up, you know, getting a little group of people together, and then one of those people is Josh Newman, and Josh is like, you know, I'm, I'm like, this is back in the day where I could actually get Coach Glassman like on the phone and get him on email and would reach out to him periodically and be like, hey, are you guys ever coming to New York? And he's like, you don't understand. You guys are creating the New York scene right now. You guys are going to start the gym. And we're like, what? No, we just started. I don't want to open a gym. I just want to do CrossFit workouts. Come here and open a gym and train. You. <laughs> and he's like, you don't understand. And so finally, like Josh, like affiliated us. He put up a blog. And he's like, I affiliated us. I just paid the 500 bucks and we're an affiliate now. I'm like, we are, he's like, what's a blog. I'm like, he's like, here, here's the password. Just write up the workout that we did in the park. I'm like, okay. So I we started blogging and, and putting up workouts and putting up pictures of us working out in the park. And then we, and then lo and behold, it was like we started getting thrown out of different gyms that we were working out at <laughs> and, uh, and finally it dawned on us, like, you know, we should like offer like a regular, we, find, we found a place that would actually let us work out regularly, like a couple of days a week, like on like the weekends. And so I was like, well, now that we're here every weekend and they're not throwing us out, let's like start a, a class and see if we can uh, get people to like pay us and come in regularly. Cause it was just sort of like, you know, show up if you want, but now at least we can make a plan. Mm-hmm. And so we started, we started, you know, we sold like a six week package or something like, of you know. CrossFit and all these people showed up, and I guess like we have a gym now. It's like, well, I guess I should go do my level one, and, and we should start looking for a space.
0: <laughs> but meanwhile, you were still like, I'm going to be an attorney.
1: I was uh, doing some
0: yeah legal work at the time
1: during the week, and uh, I was I done. I think I'd done. I don't know if I'd done my yoga teacher training at that point. Um, I think I had done my yoga teacher training at that point. I was teaching yoga a little bit too
0: speaking of that, you, in my opinion, are probably the most diverse coach I know. I mean, you're kind of an expert in all fields. I mean, you're, you are very, very good at jiu-jitsu. You teach that regularly, but you have your yoga. You were at one point a part of the kettlebell staff, the gymnastics staff. You and I go back to Coach Rip and the barbell staff. So what was it about you that allowed you to just learn so much or the desire to learn so much? I don't know where the desire came from, but yeah. Cause you're I not think... a very motivated person. In-
1: <laughs> 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 nice. Um, but I think there's a cliche that like, you know, the, the best athletes make the worst coaches and vice versa. You know, there's some saying to that effect and I was never an athlete, uh, but I was always, like, curious when I, when I started one of these, you know, went down these roads, I would learn as much as I can about it. And I think that's generally sort of my, my, my uh, MO is that, you know, you know, yeah, I'm not a very motivated person until I find something and then I'm kind of getting really deep into it. Just like, you know, law school, I was, never grew up thinking about being a lawyer and then I went to law school and I was just like, I'm all in and I was just like nerdy law guy for a few years, and then, you know, and then started getting into yoga, and then I was like, yeah, yoga's kind of fun, and then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm going to do a teacher training, and then I became the nerdiest, like, yoga guy that you could find, and then it was kind of same with, you know, when I found CrossFit, I was like, yeah, this stuff is kind of fun, and I kind of got really into it, and then I just would, like, you know, read every journal article and read every, you know, thing I can, and this is also back in the day when there wasn't access to a lot of stuff, like there is now, so you really had to figure it out, like, but I and
0: tri- I, I was going to say, you are, I mean, I was joking earlier. I mean, you do a lot of things in your life to the extreme, but you do them well. I mean, you know, you went to law school. That's an achievement in and of itself. You're a brown belt in jujitsu, probably not far off from, you know, attaining your black belt. You are part of the seminar crew. You're a very good husband and father to your, you know, your two kids. You, you, you know, you were in a band. You've done, point is Keith Wittenstein's, a a pretty smart dude thanks now you know is is, was that part of what made you such a ultimately such a good coach just do you think it was the desire to learn more do you think it was your ability to connect with people Do you think it was the fact because I agree with you Rip used to say this and I say it about myself the the worst athletes make the best coaches was it the struggle what what about it
1: I think, like, I I partially have not only a passion to learn, but like, as soon as I figure something out, I'm like, "Oh, this is cool. Let me show it to you." Right? Right? Like, anything I've ever learned, I've always wanted to turn around and like teach it to somebody else. This is this is sort of a weird thing that's, you know, followed me at least through like, you know, the last half of my life, the last twenty five years almost. It's like you know, I, I went to law school and I'd figure out something and then I'd sit around in like the study group. I'm like, guys, check out, you know, and I'd explain this whole legal theory to people and they'd be like, Oh, you know, and I'd, you know, I'd figure out some crazy yoga stuff and I'd start teaching it in my classes. I'd figure out like, you know, this entry into, you know, leg locks. And I'm like, I got to show everybody this, this thing. I just figured this out. And that's, you know, how I've kind of operated. So I just have this Passion for like, um, you know, sharing whatever I figure out because I think that was cool. Somebody else would probably think this was cool too. And just, you know, go from there.
0: But, that, but that's a unique thing because not everyone, I, I'm in agreement with you. Like, I think part of that is we enjoy helping other people. But some people learn something new and not that they're being selfish, but they don't have that immediate desire to go and teach someone else. And it's, it's really big in the jujitsu world. You're right. You're like, Hey, I learned a new entry to, you know, the honey hole. I can't yeah. wait to show my crew. Yeah, exactly. So um, t- tell us some people don't remember Mark Ripito. So Mark <laughs> was a crazy Texan, you know, someone that you and I would call our friend. He was the barbell guy till about 2009 ish in the CrossFit world and whatever happened, he's no longer involved. But do you have a favorite Rip story? You and I traveled quite a bit with him for about a year.
1: Yeah, uh, I, was, yeah I was with Rip for about a year, year and a half, uh, traveling, doing the seminars. Uh, he is one of the most uh, awesome, smart, uh, funny people, Uh, but also the most opinionated and stubborn person. And if his agreement is counter to your, uh, you know, if his opinion is counter to your opinion, you're in for a rough ride. Um, And that's where I think him and CrossFit parted ways is that he was unwilling to budge on a lot of his opinions. (laughs) But man, when uh, you know, you know, he, he wrote a great book on, on the basic lifts and he's a great coach for teaching the basic lifts. And, but He's also a diehard Texan and he's constantly griping about not being able to get his knives through the TSA. <laughs> and, you know, every seminar was, uh, 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 an undertaking in like, you know, great coaching, you know, getting people to lift heavy and also drinking a lot of bourbon and having a good time. So it was, it was a fun experience working with him for, for that year
0: and a half. Yeah. That was the year I learned all about steak and bourbon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would go a weekend with Rip and it was the most unhealthy weekend you could have. But you mean No, I don't know if it's the most I unhealthy mean, lack of I mean, sleep. There wasn't enough sleep happening because he would keep us up late and get up right there, so early. Yeah.
1: Part of the part of the your 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 gear for the weekend had to include a small flask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with with some sort of brown liquor in it. <laughs> it was a was a, a hard uh, you know a firm requirement of working with ripatope.
0: But speaking of knives, <laughs> we we're working in DC one time, and you know I think we were all coming home on Monday, and we had a later flight. And he wants to go to one of the museums, like one of the Smithsonian. So we go there, metal detector beeping like crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. unloaded like <laughs> eight knives out of his <laughs> pocket, detector. and and they were like, "You can't come in with these." And he was like, "Well, I'm not leaving him." And I was like, "I'll take him back to the hotel and just head to the airport." But it was nice. it was one of those <laughs> situations. Now, with with all of your expertise in different realms of fitness, where would you say your your superpower is? What's your what's your best coaching? What what do you coach the best? Um,
1: I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm really good at teaching the squat, and I'm really good at sort of fixing really crappy squats, right? And, you know, uh, I think that's, I, I think I have a, a you know, a, a gift for that maybe.
0: And now when um, you say, you say like the air squat at a level one, are you talking, a, you know, a member's back squatting and you can help them, you know, improve their low bar back squat?
1: I, I would say all of the above. Like, uh, you know, the the squat is something I've just spent, loads and loads and loads of time working on myself and other people and i feel like i mean the hardest part of that maybe is that some people are are unwilling to change the way they squat
0: (laughs) yeah there's, there's more of that happening
1: but like in terms of like you know it's it's one of those things where you know a lot of people are into right now it's really popular like all these assessments and stuff like that with like various uh, people doing various assessments and PT stuff, and like, and, and then being able to diagnose whether or not people can or should squat. And I think that's, you know, that's, there's a place for that. But, you know, I find like the squat in itself, and people, I, I think even you had Sean on here like a couple of weeks ago talking about how the squat is not an assessment. And I just violently disagree with that. It's like if you know how to watch a squat, Right, and watch what the person does and what they where they compensate. You can see a ton of stuff in there.
0: Yeah, that was kind of what he said. Where you know the FMS screening, where Coach Glassman's like those things are are useless. Watch someone squat, and 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 I agree with you. You know, I think, and and of course, I think you and I are both pretty biased towards CrossFit, right? But I agree with what Coach Glassman's saying. And I can I can assess you based on how you move through these nine foundational movements. If you can't do these. I don't really need to see much more. Let's get these better.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly a, a place for other assessments and stuff, and there's certainly stuff that's less visible or maybe even invisible when you're you're squatting, and you, especially when you're good at compensating for various things. But ultimately, you know, one is a correlate of the other. A lot of these assessment tools are just correlates of good movement and not actually good movement. And you know, I I think we as level one seminar trainers spend a lot of time not working with correlates, but actually working with the real movements and trying to get those better. Um, and I think that's where the majority of so, sort of the average trainers' time should be spent is working on just getting people to do those movements better and not diving deeper into other assessments that kind of lead them further away from good movement, potentially.
0: What What do you think about your – I'm previous- just going to –
1: I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not tell it. Yeah, go ahead. 'cause I you know i i was I was sitting there and I was watching a little workshop with uh, you know a fairly good p t go th- giving a seminar to a bunch of you know trainers at a gym, and it was good stuff' it was like well here's how you screen like you know ankle dorsiflexion you do a little you know you know knee bend test you know and you sort of see how far they can get the knee past the toes and you know you can do it to a post on the thing and here's how you do this. Screen here for this, you know, range of motion and that range of motion, and I was like, that's all good, but like, I, I worked with these same trainers, and I'm like, most of them can't see, you know, if someone's squatting below parallel and their knees are tracking their toes and their heels are down. And I was like, which one is the more important thing on their day to day thing to get people's heels down, knees tracking the toes, and you know, full range of motion, or now doing another assessment for dorsiflexion and something else where I'm sure they can't see any difference in the, in the two, in the two tests, like the before and after, right? It was like, if they can't see a heels down in a squat that they look at, you know, a thousand squats a day, they're not going to be able to do this test of yours with any greater uh, clarity or specificity. Why are
0: we, why are we wasting our time? That's a really good point. And I think in the time, especially since you got involved, but since I got involved a year later as well, all of a sudden it went from like, hey, let's work hard, to all this mobility talk for a short period of time? And do you think it just got carried away? I mean, at most level ones and twos, ultimately you and I will pull somebody into the center. We'll be fixing. One of the participants will raise their hand and say like, you know, shouldn't they just mobilize? Yes. So (laughs) talk to the listeners about that. As someone who is very well versed in this, how do you address that? How do you address the members that think that, and how do you address the coaches that put that emphasis on that versus just like, Hey, let's get you moving better.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I I think it's like we, we wanted in, in an effort to sort of, you know, I mean, be more thorough and there's, you know, and there's a, certainly a place for all the mobility and stuff. And I love that stuff, but, In an effort to be sort of more thorough and try to clean up a bunch of stuff, ultimately what we what most people drop the ball in doing is putting it back into you know we we take all the pieces out and want to look at all the pieces, but we never put them back together uh, and and, and rebuild the thing into what we want, right? So now we've dissected like the the shoulder, you know, external rotation, and now we you know dissected you know the hip. You know, flexion and external rotation, but we haven't put it back together into the movement where we wanted it in the first place. So, most people don't have the time or the wherewithal to to do all that extra stuff. They should spend what time they have just making, you know, working in that squat and working into these positions, working on that front rack, uh, and then you know, if there's any. You know, room for improvement that can't be done with, you know, the elbow grease and the the time under tension. Yeah, we can take it out and look at it in terms of some other mobility stuff. But more often than not, people sort of get pulled out into mobility land and don't go back into fixing movement.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I tell people, you know, the front rack's a great example. Every weekend at the level one, the front rack's tough with PVC and people, what drill should I do? Here's the drill you should do get in this front rack more often. Yeah. You know, get better at this movement pattern. That's how you get better. What, having coached dozens, if not hundreds of level two seminars, what would you say is the biggest mistake you see from CrossFit coaches? And I say level two is because typically those are coaches that are coming back, you know, six months to five years after taking their level one. We watch them coach. We give them feedback. What do you see as the biggest Lies,
1: I think, uh, most of it is sort of, uh, maybe I don't know if I've heard anybody say this on this podcast yet, but it's, I think, it's a uh, not really caring enough about getting people to move better. I know we want people to move better, but there's a breakdown between how we get there, uh, and also. Uh, there's also a tendency for people to settle for like, meh, right? I I always say we're not forging meh fitness; we're forging elite fitness, right? We're not, and, and you got to have your standards a lot higher, right? When I you go into a, a teaching situation, I look at how you start moving, and in the after you spent five ten minutes with me, you have to be moving better. My job is to make sure you're moving better. That's not based on my ego, it's like, but this is what you're paying me for. This is what you intrinsically want is to get better coaching. So you move better. And most people sort of just feel it's their duty. Well, I just have to explain deadlifts to you for five minutes and that maybe should help. And that absolutely has no bearing on people's movement, right? We have to get in there and actually get them to do reps. And and each rep, we have to chisel away uh, like like we're carving a statue and make it better and better and better rep after rep after rep until you know twenty thirty reps later I've chiseled away all the crap that was in your deadlift form and now you have a really tight good deadlift form.
0: Yeah, I think Coach Glassman put it nicely. Don't let your eyes get used to shitty movement. Yeah, absolutely. And but it, I, know- I, there's a, there's
1: a inherent sort of unwillingness to put yourself out there. There's an unwillingness to sort of ask people to do more. Uh, we don't want to be perceived as, like, being too pushy, uh, you know, uh, and there's also just sort of an uneasiness, like, uh, of, like, maybe sort of an insecurity I'm like, I don't really know. It all kind of looks the same, uh, and I think it, it all sort of stems from just sort of not really, I don't know if it's a lack of passion, a lack of understanding, a lack of uh, just knowing what the inherent job is that we're trying to get people to do as coaches. It's like, but it's like, you got to be able to look at wh- whoever steps, you know, into your, your class. And then, you know, an hour later, they got to be a better person. If not, you know, emotionally, hopefully at least physically, we get them a little bit moving a little better by getting their back straighter, getting their heels down, getting their bar paths better, cleaning up whatever, you know, crappy movement they came in with.
0: So, so let's assume you have a coach that does care. They're passionate about this. They're watching, you know, we've both seen it many times at a level two, Hey, coach the air squad. They go through their little two minutes of talking, watch two reps and they're like, he's good. (laughs) Right. So what, what is some actionable feedback? What are are some teaching points we can help if, if someone's listening that does want to be a better coach? What are some things you recommend to do?
1: Tunnel vision, tunnel vision, tunnel vision. Um, it, you know, it's funny because, like, most of the people you encounter, you know, at the high level coaches and CrossFit, you know, tend to want to drift towards something like Olympic weightlifting because it's viewed as sexier and it's very complex. And you have this highfalutin status as somebody who teaches a very complex skill. But ultimately, like, all movement is complex, like, you know, which is, you know right now it's like, I mean, we I used to use this analogy of like it's really hard to like dissect walking, just like normal human walking. There's so much stuff that goes on there, but now you see these Boston Dynamics robots that are like walking and jumping and moving around, and so they've definitely got the algorithms like almost wired. But like, if you just like dissect someone's like foot position, like whether their weight is shifting on their foot or coming into their toes, their weight's shifting in. You know they're spinning their feet out when they squat. There's so much stuff right in there about their movement pattern, about their mobility, about their balance and their coordination. There's, and then take it to the next level to the knees, to the hips, right? There's, there's so much like kinesthetics, so much physiology going on right in just watching their lower body and something as simple as a squat. That like you should never be bored. Like, you should take the time to look at that and say, what the hell is going on? And then once you figure it out on one person, look at someone else, and you'll be left with a whole bunch of new, like, issues that you never even thought of with the first person. And you do this with 10 athletes, a class, you 10 classes a day, uh, you know, over, like, 10 years, and you will be like a super coach. You'll develop a super eye. And you have to, like, look at every foot and knee and hip and vertebra uh, and shoulder uh, that comes into your box uh, with fresh eyes uh, and, and look at that as an opportunity to, to fix human movement and to perfect human movement.
0: Yeah, and I think part of the problem is coaches just aren't doing that, right? In and of itself, that's not that hard. Watch movement, but you know, in this day and age in CrossFit, whether it's multiple things happening in a class, too many people in a class, too many movements in any given workout, it's hard to just take that time and hey, watch, you know, are their knees tracking their toes? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a shame. What, what, that
1: what, hopefully that, like, at least allows a space for people like dinosaurs like me and you to, to still have, like, jobs because we care <laughs> about stuff like that.
0: You know, we do. And, you know, I think it's, it's partly also just we, that's, that was the culture when we started. You know, it's hard if you got involved in CrossFit in 2017, 18, 19. Maybe you joined a box that put no emphasis on coaching. Now, all of a sudden, you want to be a better coach, but you don't have any experience getting coached or or someone that can mentor you to seek that out. What, yeah, what are, I mean, it also
1: comes, it also comes from like my own personal like chip on my shoulder where it's like, I was doing yoga, and I would hang out with some like pretty high level yoga people who were all about like the alignment, the alignment, the alignment, and it would always like poo poo, you know, the other styles of yoga that weren't into alignment, and they would certainly poo poo anything that resembled like hard exercise as something that was like maybe like not as you know refined and upper crust as like this beautifully aligned like yoga practice, and I was like you know the beauty of human movement is everywhere and it's not just in yoga and, and and you know good alignment is good alignment everywhere so i took that sort of like maybe sort of uh, snobby you know attitude towards alignment and just like brought it into sort of my way i looked at like movement in other parts of you know life in terms of like crossfit in terms of jujitsu it's like there's good movement and there's bad movement everywhere and i've definitely want to side in the camp of good movement. If I can.
0: You've, you've been a part of multiple affiliates. What, what is something this day and age that affiliate owners could be doing better?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I've been out of the affiliate game for a while.
0: You um, I mean so some people know you own part of New York city, NYC, you were owner of virtuosity. You've coached at numerous boxes, you know, in New York, New Jersey area. What what are some of the better things you saw then, you know, what are better boxes doing that the, that the boxes that aren't doing well are not doing?
1: Um, I think the best boxes one obviously are, are really keyed into their community and creating a really good space, uh, for members to have a good time. I think, you know, I, 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 think the, I mean, I, I know there's, I mean, it depends how you like what you consider a good affiliate too. I mean, there's certain affiliates that, seem to show up at the games all the time and they're competitively excellent, um, which for some people, they'd place a, a premium on that. Well, I, that's I like of,
0: making money, having a good uh, good membership base of over 100 members.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, you know, I've known Dave Osorio since before he started CrossFit South Brooklyn and just like the longer I know him, the more impressed I am with how he's like maintained this like just steady, like even keeled sort of community in box where it's just grown and grown and grown and just gotten better and better and better. And I'm just like, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those standout individuals and one of, with one of those standout affiliates, that's just like, like constantly, you know, moving in the right direction. Maybe it's maybe slowly. Um, but like over time it's, it's proven to be really good. I think he's, uh, maybe a good example of the tortoise and, I think with NYC and, and virtuosity, I was probably trying to be more of the hair and really try to push the envelope and go, you know, do more stuff more quickly. And maybe that's kind of why I'm burned out on affiliate ownership at the moment, um, but also eager to get back in right now because I want to have a box with like CrossFit and Jiu Jitsu in it. Now,
0: are you considering that? Is that something that's in the future for for you? It's something I'm considering. I don't know if it's a
1: realistic thing, but it's something I, you know, I, I still like, you know, drive around, look at a space and like, oh yeah, that might be a nice place to, you know. And then I also kind of dream like, how would we have both things running at once? Because I know some places do it some well and some places are having a struggle trying to run both things at once.
0: What? All right, we're back. Sorry, we had uh, thunderstorms here in Florida, Gates. Gotcha. And we dropped our internet. But I think what I was saying was, Once you own an affiliate, you basically look at all potential real estate as affiliates, looking at where you can open a new box. But we were getting ready to wrap up, and sounds like Jet and June are home. Oh, yeah. Getting ready to uh, be Papa Panda. You don't throw equipment at them like you did at your members, do you?
1: Yeah, patient with my kids. (laughs)
0: It's (laughs) a, it's
1: a, a level of patience I've never experienced before. No. I managed to be really patient with them.
0: You you are you are very even keeled, very mellow. I mean, you you know, judging in the past, working seminars, I've never really seen you mad. Well, that's good. Have that's you been mad, Do you get mad often?
1: I've mellowed a lot in the years.
0: All right, yeah, almost, <laughs> yeah I mean,
1: but I I'll, I'll, like, again, like, I, I have my fits of rage every, every once in a while.
0: I'm sure you do. Now you've been around CrossFit for a very long time. Do you have any interesting CrossFit history that you've been involved in? Like a a fun trivia fact that Keith Wittenstein has been, that we can use to at a trivia night, if you will.
1: (laughs) Gosh, I can't even, can't even think about that. Let me, uh,
0: you mean you've, you were at the old level ones, you traveled with Rip, you traveled with Tucker, maybe just a fun story. Do you have a favorite story?
1: One of my, one of my favorite stories was uh, when we, uh, that first level one. It was in Santa Cruz, 2006, May 2006, um, Friday. For, for whatever reason, like the, the main workout on that Friday was like bottom-to-bottom-to-bottom to bottom to bottom squats. I think that was the, the day one workout on Friday. And there was a bunch of presenters, you know, I I don't remember who went that day, but like at this seminar, there was Ripito was there presenting, uh, uh, Bergner was there presenting, John Hackleman, Mike Rutherford, uh, uh, Angie Hart, I think was doing a rowing presentation. There was like a who's who of like, uh, like specialty uh, coaches there. You know, Rob Wolf was there, um, all these people and, and this was like right before they had all the specialty seminars. So the, one of the things that coach Glassman was talking about is how like, you know, they were going to break off and do like some specialty, like their own seminars. Uh, And you know, this was probably going to be the last three day level one. Uh, So anyway, so it was all this stuff going on Uh, that night. There was like a little, I don't know if there was a social that night. I think that night we went out to like a Mexican restaurant in Santa Cruz like a bunch of the coaches and some of the participants were there. And I'm sitting at a table with um, Nicole Carroll, Andy Sakamoto, Andy's husband uh, were, you know, having some food, having some drinks, having a good time. And Tony Budding comes up and he's like, Oh yeah, listen, we got to come up with another workout for tomorrow. And and they were like, why? I was like, well, some of the people were a little, you know, complaining that we only had one workout today, mm-hmm. you know? And then Andy Sakamoto goes, they're fucking complaining, those sons of bitches. We're going to crush them. And I'm sitting there, I was like, I'm a participant, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. It's like, you don't have to crush me. She's like, you keep your mouth shut, Keith. We're coming up with a workout right now. And then her and Nicole, like, you know, took out a cocktail napkin and, a you know, a pen, and they're, like, you know, jotting down ideas for some, like, you know, day two horrible soul-crushing workout on top of whatever they already had, which was, like, a fight gone bad or a I think a heavy Helen or a long Helen or something like that. And they're like, they're brainstorming on ideas and Andy's like, don't you fucking tell anybody Keith, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was rooming with my buddy, David, who this is his second time attending the level one. Uh, and so he was like, you know, he, he we went out there uh, both together. I think we both flew out and we're, were rooming out there. And uh, that night we're in the hotel and I'm like telling David, I was like, so, this is what happened at dinner and like and Andy was like don't tell anybody blah, blah 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 and and we're gonna have some like extra horrible workout tomorrow and so we roll up saturday morning and the first thing dave goes up to annie goes so i hear you got a really terrible workout for us <laughs> today and annie looks me right in the eyes you're fucking dead keith
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, so. it is it is funny how the emphasis at the old school level ones has shifted. Even when I did it in two thousand seven, it was like bottom to bottom, fight on bad, Fran, yeah, another, yeah. you know, AMRAP in there. But uh it's it's fun to see how we've you know shifted. There's the push towards health and I think that's gonna be good for the the long term growth of CrossFit and the overall health of the of the country. But that's a great story and very yeah, typical uh, of back in the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. There were some there were some classic stuff back in the day and it's I do like the the shift towards a you know a little kinder gentler CrossFit but it's funny how you know um like me some of like the old guard in CrossFit sort of remembers the days of like smashing people and and very much like the early emphasis at CrossFit NYC was like you know basically like try to survive the free trial workout and then see if you want to come back (laughs) and you know the the emphasis was definitely on like you know, smashing people because you had like just random like trainers from like Globo gyms coming in and hearing about this CrossFit stuff and thinking it's not so not so tough or whatever. So there was always an emphasis to like just like like crush people's souls.
0: We'll show <laughs> you. We'll show you.
1: Yeah, the whole so? like you know our your workout is our warm up type of mentality and 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 it's you know over the years it's nice to sort of be in a different place where now it's sort of about trying to bring people into the fold and try to. Create an environment where CrossFit is not necessarily just for the badasses. It's definitely a little more open and, and welcoming and inviting.
0: That is definitely true. Last question. Any book you recommend the listeners check out?
1: Uh, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield.
0: I just read that. I just oh, read awesome. that. And I'm checking out his other book, Turning Pro, next. But yeah. that's a great book. It's pretty easy yeah, it's to read, short awesome. book, but uh, yeah. The Muse, it was all about The Muse.
1: Yeah, my wife turned me on to that like years ago and it's one of our favorite books that we always reread when we're kind of like, you know, getting caught up in the resistance and like, we're not moving forward. We bust that out and get a little bit inspired again.
0: Well, especially for Erin who's so creative and involved in the arts, I'm sure it's important for her to not let resistance get in the way or those two kids that are making a racket back there.
1: They're out of control, these two.
0: I will let you go take care of the young Wittenstein clan. And awesome. You know, hopefully I'll see you soon. And happy ten year anniversary to you and Aaron.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And we we'll look forward to, talk to you, brother. Yeah, to catch up again. Thanks a lot. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.